This is the Formation Lab. Welcome, everybody, to the Formation Lab podcast, the only podcast on the internet guaranteed to have more entertainment than both IndyCar and Formula One this weekend. Tim, I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Tim. I should introduce him before I asked him. You know, I, I could just get it all reversed. Tim, how are, how are you doing? All right. Uh, Save me from myself. I had a long slumber this weekend. Um, it was just brutally boring. Um, I think we kind of had it coming. Uh, yep. You know, the racing gods can be stingy with their entertainment. Neither of us watched uh, the six hours of spa, which, you know, if there's uh, an endurance race, normally Luke and I are tuned in. Six hours is kind of a bummer. That's just a, kind of a prologue. So, you know, the 12 and 24 is we're usually tuned in for. So uh, that we didn't get to watch that, but we watched two snooze fests um, from IndyCar. IndyCar was probably more surprising to me. Uh, because, uh, and I think we're going to maybe forego the traditional uh, breakdown that we do and kind of talk more about why Texas as a super speedway sucks, because um, I was confused as to why a, a, a speedway was so boring when usually they're so exciting. Yeah. So I think, I think we're going to change it up a little this week. Usually we do, you know, Portuguese GP, we do a reverse Martin Brundle grid walk, but the Portuguese GP didn't exactly thrill us either. So I think we're going to hit on kind of the talking points on that race. And then instead of, you know, the Genesis 300 and the Expel 375, I think it was uh, at Texas, I think what we would better serve be served doing is breaking down exactly why texas is the way it is because tim back in about 2016 texas was one of the races i circled on my calendar because it was spectacular um and i think there is actually an interesting story to be had there and there's also a lot of misinformation online about what exactly the cause is so um I, I have the story. I have experience with actually a lot of the parts used in it. Um, so we'll do that later. But I think we'll start out with the Portuguese Grand Prix, which gave us, Tim, I, what, at three, four minutes of good racing, um, which it, yeah. I, it was. Tim, there were some okay passes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lando Norris, uh, you know, from McLaren is turning up the heat on Daniel Ricardo. Uh, outperforming him consistently. Daniel, Danny did have a good race, not to take that away from him, uh, but Lando seems to have found that extra gear over the offseason, and he already has more points, or he's on his way to have more points right now uh, than he did last year, so that's an awesome improvement for him. Um, he did some really gutsy passes early on in the race, and then it was he was just kind of caught in no man's land. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know, uh, Mazepin ruined Checo's race. Mazepin probably shouldn't be on the grid. Yeah, let's let's okay. So let's start with Mazepin because Mazepin, if we're Mazepin, actually, say it right, Mazepin. He didn't Mazepin, okay? He, he no, he Mazepin messed Mazepin up race. everybody's race. Mazepin <laughs> mess, <Mazepin> messed up. <laughs> he, he let it on track massacre. That that is true. He did massacre Checo's race, which really gutted me for Checo because yeah. he, in the in the interviews throughout the whole weekend, Checo just seemed down. He you know, really he's did. really he's outperforming uh, Alex Albon to this point already. He's doing a great job, but you know, Pete, it of all the ones that are adapting to new cars, he's doing some of the best. He's not Seb Vetteling it right now, Mm-mm. so that's good. Um, you know, he turned, he turned in his best performance yet for Red Bull over the weekend with a fourth, 
Um, he wasn't, didn't really seem to have the pace to keep up, but then again, he was derailed by Mazepin ignoring five blue flags. That's okay. That is something that actually is worth it because that is the first, uh, Mazepin receives a five second time penalty for that, but that is the first of what I can only assume will be many penalty points on his, on Mazepin's license. Um, and Mazepin, by the way, ignoring blue flags, but also, Finishing nearly a lap down to Mick Schumacher. Okay. Like Mick Schumacher and the Haas is not quick. All right. Mick Schumacher is a good driver, but the Haas is not quick. Right. How do you finish a nearly a minute, Tim? Nikita Matsubin finishes nearly a minute. Okay. He's got nothing to save. Like the only person that finished behind it was Kimi Raikkonen, who, you know, wasn't classified, DNF'd. And he ignores five blue flags. It's one thing if you're like, if you ignore those blue flags, which is already a no-no, right? I'm not endorsing that, but it's one thing. I kind of get it. If you're, you know, uh, Daniel Ricardo and you're fighting, or if you're Fernando Alonso and you're fighting Esteban Ocon, right? Or like you're you got a battle going, and you're like, I, this is complicated, right? Nikita Matsupin was just eons slower, okay? Like I could have gone back to college and graduated in the time between Nicholas Latifi and Nikita Matsupin. And he still ignored them. He had nothing to lose, Tim. He and he had nothing. More importantly, he had nothing to gain by ignoring yeah. them. Mm-hmm. It's just you know I don't know if it's TV time or whatever, but I think the main difference is uh, that Mick Schumacher is a good driver. Nikita Mazepin sucks. Um, but uh, I will to uh, put a feather in Mick Schumacher's cap. I did like him tussling with uh, Latifi a bit. He looked pretty racy in those later stages. He did, and actually, it's it's good to see him do that because I I feel like one of my worries for uh, Mick Schumacher is that he might end up with the same thing that George Russell I thought kind of went through at some point, which was if you're stuck in a Haas twenty four seven or George Russell Russell in the Williams the last few years, you don't get a lot of opportunities to practice overtaking another car in an F one race. It, you you could be you can drive the wheels off that thing, but you aren't going to pass. And at a certain point, live race action like that, you have to practice that by actually doing it in a race. So it was good to see uh, Mick Schumacher get, get some reps in and actually go at it with Nicholas Latifi in a successful fashion. Yes. And, you know, and again, we come back to that car is dismal. It is just a terrible vehicle. And so when we think about Mick Schumacher's career long-term, the fact that he's able to, you know, muster something and he's going up against an ascendant Williams team, um, that's impressive. That's really cool. Um, You know, so I'm excited. I think he's proving to be more Michael's son instead of Rolf's nephew. Um, I'm excited for his projection. But, yeah, uh, Matt Mazepin, ooh. You know, it's Hashtag. Bring back Emerson Fittipaldi. Well, Emerson Fittipaldi didn't. Well, not Emerson. Pietro. Not Emerson. Pietro. Yeah, Darn Pietro. it. Pietro. I was thinking, I was thinking Emerson because I've been reading said old Emerson. race books. Yeah, I almost said Emerson, though, but Pietro didn't exactly have the best week either. We'll get to IndyCar in a little bit. But uh, uh, Nikita Matsupin is interesting to me because every once in a while you get the people, like the meme driver that people just hate, and they're like, oh, he crashes all the time. But Pastor Maldonado was fast. Like Pastor Maldonado had the raw speed to where you're like, eh, if you could fix his crashiness, you might be an all right driver, right? 
like he yeah he and Roman Grosjean kind of had that in common where they never really knew where the line was and they would cross it routinely yeah um and but again Roman Grosjean is fast and skilled enough to be in F1 that's true that is true Nikita Uh, Nikita doesn't have that he's not no I can't actually wait for the Josh Revel video that it actually might be out of him breaking down does he actually deserve a seat Probably not. He he really can't because that's the, that's what I was gonna say is like even drivers that you know people like to hate on online usually have this kind of uh but at least they're you know they're somewhat fast or they hate them for off track purposes. But if you take out off track purposes, there's no reason to root for Nikita Matsupin on track. He's just not skilled no. enough. And uh, sure enough, Josh Revel on YouTube, uh, go check out his content. We uh, we on the channel endorse him uh, wholeheartedly. Yeah. After you listen uh, to our podcast, of course. Mm. Oh, well, obviously. Uh, obviously. But he did that back in December, so I apologize. I missed it, so I'm very excited to watch it. Yep. Um, so Nikita Matsupin uh, had a dismal race. He gets another penalty point on his license. Mick Schumacher looks good. George Russell uh, almost grabs Q3. Uh, but then eventually falls back to P16 because I don't, that Williams is not the same under a race as it is qualifying. Uh, but that brings us up to P15 and one of the other talking points, which is Yuki Sonoda ha- did not have a very impressive race. I don't think he's really blown, blown the window, you know, blown the doors off of, uh, off of Alpha Tauri. But I also think, I don't think Alpha Tauri is nearly as strong as it was last year. Uh, I, yeah, and I'm surprised by that. The the Honda packaging, as we've seen with the Red Bull car, brings it so much closer to Mercedes. And I'm actually I'm actually a bit shocked um, that that they've kind of had the the results that they've had. Yuki um, obviously is doing uh, okay. It, it's not the you're right. He hasn't blown the doors off of it like everybody thought he would, like I thought he would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I'm admittedly being proven wrong. Um, but I will say that I'm excited to see kind of how things shake out as the season progresses. It's his first year. He's a rookie. Um, I actually do want to bring that up though. Uh, Luke, you and I have made a lot of equivocating this year and I've heard that among all the pundits making these, you know, kind of, Oh, it's his first year. Give him some time. Do you remember doing this like a few years ago? And like before we had a show where we were like, Oh, you know, give him time. Give it like, that isn't formula one. Like, it's like, no, you need results. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I remember, too, um, when we started this show and Pierre Gasly was in Red Bull and now Alex Albon was in Red Bull. I remember last year saying that it's a problem. Why? Oh, because Formula One never gives anybody time. And and I legit, I compared it two or three years ago, or I guess two years ago, to like the NFL, where it's like, no, the way you develop a quarterback is you let them sit a couple of years, or in this case, sit, you know, be the number two driver under a veteran, and you dev- let them develop their tight, you know, their chance. You have to build a. You can't just pluck a rookie like Max Verstappen and just huck him in to the number one seed at Red Bull. That's not how this works. And the reason Max Verstappen is so spectacular is because he's the exception to the rule. Right. And, but we're making like this year, we're talking about, oh, give Vettel time. Oh, yeah. give Danny time. Give it's, Alonzo time. It's an interesting reversal of what it was two years uh, ago, where it was, Albon's not quick enough. He's got to go in like race three. Right. And so I'm like, why are we doing this? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's interesting. I, I think, I think though, it, it, it 
it's a sign of progress though. It's a sign that people are like, huh, maybe we're being maybe a little too harsh on drivers who, uh, you know, come into F1 and maybe we're being a little too foolish and there's a bit of folly in assuming that, you know, a guy can just step in from F2 into the second, you know, Red Bull seat and we expect success out of him when Checo Perez, one of the most talented drivers on earth, uh, is having an issue stepping in from a racing point to a Red Bull. That's both F1 cars. All, all you're doing is just changing, you know, a car at this theoretically the same le- level and Checo isn't, you know, blowing the barn doors open, you know, it maybe had some maybe, better qualifying. He's had some good results, and, right? but I'm saying I'm, I'm mostly looking at uh, Ricardo Vettel and Alonzo. Yes. Where um, we are definitely making excuses for them. And it's like, and I only Alonzo hope, got shellacked by Ocon. Yeah. I, I only hope though, that we continue this thought because I'm okay with maybe making excuses is what you want to call it, but I'm okay with saying like, Oh, Hey, let's wait and see and give guys time. But we have to extend that to rookies too. We can't give them some grace. I did. George Russell stepped in at Williams. It was like, really? Nicholas Latifi stepped in at Williams. I'm like, really? Really? I don't think Nicholas Latifi is the greatest driver, but he's not terrible. (laughs) <laughs> but no. if, you, if you looked at his first couple races at Williams, you know, I, I just, I hope that we can extend this excuse making. Uh, if that's what you want to call it to when we get the next Alexander Albon uh, type guy, you know what I'm saying? No, I, I, Hey, I get it. So, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. Figured we'd park it on there for a minute. Yeah. Um, but uh, moving up the grid, there's really just not a whole lot else to talk about. No. Daniel Ricardo made a good recovery drive. He finished well. McLaren is doing admirably this year. McLaren is the only team with double points in every race so far. And and that that is surprising. Um, but Ricardo, I mean, he's getting adapted, but the fact he's still putting it in the points is good. And I think there was a quote where uh, – you know, he talked to Zach Brown and Zach Brown said something along the lines uh, to him, like, dude, relax. We're only three races in. Right. And I mean, that's, and that's, that's great. But at the same time, Zach, uh, he's buying grace for his drivers, even though they're doing very, very well. So I'd I'd rather have um, that than an an Alex Albon again, that, I, I get that. I I would rather have that though than the current Aston Martin situation. Yeah. Can we, can we talk about that yet? I, I it's bad. They didn't get the copy this year, and uh oh, yeah. They're they got to be putting all the money into into the next year's car. Yeah, twenty twenty two. They have to be. They have to be. Um, and it's it's I you know with the new lower rake rules, I I think we should have all seen this coming but it's shocking how few of us did it. It's like, oh, Mercedes is going to be hurt by the low rake rules. Well, they kind of were, but they're Mercedes. You know, who really hurts is the guys who copied Mercedes two years ago. <laughs> and you don't have Merce- the resources right. to turn around like Mercedes. Yeah, they're right. specifically not Mercedes in the adapt your car to that rules category. <laughs> right. And um, even still, the high rate guys are having troubles. Um like uh, Max Verstappen this weekend, yeah, uh, got blown out by millimeters on his final lap in qualifying, and that's why he didn't start well. That probably cost him the race because if he, I, honestly, if he had started, you know, pole, he probably would have just run away. 
I would say I would actually disagree with that. Really? And okay. Here's why. I think the Red Bull looked very twitchy, very unstable all weekend. And I think that that was winds were not kind to them. You're right. No, they really weren't. Whereas Mercedes looked fairly planted, but every time you came across a crest, it seemed like the Red Bulls were, you know, like had a little bit of twitch to them. It was like wrestling an octopus for a hot second. Right. And I think that that little twitch would have been enough for Lewis to identify and just grab them. I, I think that the amount of times that Max would have had to fight, you know, the stability of the car, Lewis would have found something because he's Lewis Hamilton. Um, I think Verstappen would have put up an admirable fight, but I don't think, I think you're getting a ham fair bot anyway. That, yeah, that's fair. But I do like just how, uh, you know, tit for tat it is at the top right now. You Mm -hmm. know, you never going in, you don't know that the top step is going to Mercedes. You know, it could be Red Bull and, you know, they're off by millimeters on each other. Yeah. Um, So I think that parity is good. Um, I hope that continues in the new regulations because that's what I feel like that's what happens. We get to the end of these formulas and everything is actually close and it's a lot of fun. You know, 2013 with Vettel and there was, you know, Alonzo and Ferrari and you had Lewis Hamilton, you know, kind of coming at him. You know, it was really great racing neck and neck, toe to toe. And then it went to the hybrid era and everybody's whinging about it. And the Mercedes is too dominant. And, and then everybody starts to get to parody and we're going to shake it up again, right? When it gets good. And I, I hate that. Yeah. I, I think, I think you see that though, like it, not just in sports, but in life too. Right. Which is like, are we going philosophical? I, well, not just yeah, maybe a little bit, right? I was okay. gonna I was gonna hey, actually compare in- it to, to to business, right? Okay. Um where let's say okay, here we go. Um like there is okay, so recently, you know, uh, uh marijuana was legalized in it or in Illinois, right? And in a lot of states it is. So what you have are is a new formula, right? That's a new formula in this thing. And you have 20 or so companies who are like, eventually a big company comes in and they just, they dunk on people. Right. And we're trying to figure out what the big, the investment, you know, the wall street bankers are sitting there and trying to figure out who the next Mercedes is going to be. But in a hundred years, it's like, okay, but we're going to have three or four big companies in this industry. And it's all going to stable out where we have four big companies right but in between now and then you know one company's gonna run it right and that's how you that's how it plays out is is anytime a new area of something business life anything opens up right youtube right what was early what was early youtube it was the wild west until one guy figured out how to just absolutely murder in terms of getting nice views and then all of a sudden everybody else came up and now you have a lot of channels to just get insane amounts of views because there's always that one person, that one group, that one team that figures out the formula first, rides that out. And then everybody goes, it's, it's unfair. It's, it's balanced in, 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 you know, I don't know. It's balanced in so-and-so's favor. Right. And then eventually everybody else figures out YouTube and you're like, man, every niche channel and their brother has about a million views anymore. This is actually a pretty good, pretty good solution. But unfortunately in the meantime, you've, 
change the rules so that Mercedes doesn't dominate anymore, just allowing whoever the next team is. Maybe it's McLaren, maybe it's Ferrari. Yeah, and I and I hope that happens, but I don't want to see it dominated again. I no. want to see, you know, I like the parody. I like the wheel-to-wheel racing. You know, I like seeing, you know, little Lando Norris come powering through the field, toasting the Mercedes, or mm-hmm. uh, toasting the Ferraris. Um, so, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, but that, honestly, Luke, is about all we have to talk about with Formula One. That really, really is. There really, there really um, were no headlines beyond, uh, you know, some Miami stuff. Uh, there were some social media protests this weekend, um, you know, that that kind of went on, kind of went unheralded. Nothing yeah, really I, came out. Uh, I didn't Total quite Wolf catch said what that, that was about. It was something about, um, was it was it racism or it was just hara- general harassment that like drivers bullying. get? Yeah, cyberbullying. Cyberbullying, mm-hmm. um, which I mean, look, I this podcast isn't big enough that I get cyberbullied on, <laughs> on Twitter, but uh, at Formation Up 101, but it. I get it, but also um, I think the audience doesn't. If you're not in that kind of situation, you just don't. I get it because uh, I get harassed. Like when I'm on air, I get harassed on the you know 101 text line all the time, right? Yeah. And it's like it's not pleasant. People need to you know actually grow a pair and you know either put your name behind what you're gonna say or you know quit it. But I again though. When I talk about, you know, if I were to bring up that issue, I have to be aware of it's like, okay, you get paid to talk about sports on the radio. You get paid to drive a car. Uh, and this dude, you know, goes to work for, you know, ten, you know, 12 hour shift in the factory and he blows off steam. It's like, he ain't going to listen to you. So, yeah. um, yeah, know. it went kind of unheralded. Uh, it's a good message, but I, I don't expect that to catch traction really anytime soon. No, but we uh, on the show are against bullying of any type. So uh, yeah. in case you're mm-hmm. wondering uh, where we stand, no, yeah, that's yeah. not what we're about. Dude, I, I operate on like just a couple general rules. All right. Uh, one, our good friend, uh, one, our good friend Dylan says is always be down for a silly goose time. And number two is don't be a dick. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, just don't. And like, yeah. So, if, if you think would a would a douchebag do this thing, don't do that thing. It's yeah, don't, yeah, just don't do it. The more um, you do it, the the easier it becomes too. By the way, just correct. Just a pro tip from me to you. Yeah, um, but so uh, otherwise, I, that's all the news yeah. that's fit to peruse from Formula One. I think so. Um, um, we we did have a, a race swap out uh, mm-hmm. later in the year. Montreal yeah. got replaced with Turkey. Which I mean, I hate losing Montreal, but that's a fair swap out. You get a you get a you get a great track for a great track. A soul like, for a soul. I like <laughs> <laughs> I like Turkey. We do like Turkey a lot. You know, with it, you know, getting fresh pavement last year turned into a really great race. Yeah. Um. You know, and I we fully expect that to happen again this year, or fully expect some great racing to mm-hmm. happen this year. So, um, that is that. And before, yeah, that's before, about it. Before we move on from Formula One and we move into yes. IndyCar, uh next week is spain right or is mm-hmm. yeah next week is spain do you think red bull comes back in spain i think it'll be close i think um, they do i think max is is a spain kind of driver i think he is too i think catalonia our biggest problem with it is that it's just medium speed turns it's great for a testing track not that great for a racing track um you know the only testing track that's worse is uh Paul Ricard, which I will go to my grave bashing. Um, 
as a racetrack, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We're going to find out. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I think, you know, uh, we'll see McLaren and Ferrari fight. We'll see Mercedes and Red Bull fight. And I think Red Bull is going to want to come back, but I think Mercedes has finally got the horsepower kind of figured mm-hmm. out that, you know, on the straights they had them, you know, so there was nothing there, but um, yeah, we're going to find out. I think we will too. It sucks. I love it. these. I love these back-to-backs. Got to say. I, I like the back-to-backs. I just don't like the back-to-backs when it's Portugal, Spain, Monaco. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Well, Monaco's, we well, Monaco's Monaco. not back to get it's back. It's a week off after Spain than Monaco, but still yep. come on. Yeah. Um, so we're going to shift gears here into IndyCar. I'm sorry, guys. This is going to be like a bit of a quick episode. Uh, if I'm being real with you all, because this is, not much. Uh, IndyCar raced at Texas, and the races are what they are. Uh, congratulations, Scott Dixon. Congratulations to Pato Award. Uh, Pato Award does get a uh, does get a test session with McLaren after his win for Aero McLaren SP. He gets a test session with, uh, as per Zach Brown's promise, with McLaren F1. By the way, which will be interesting. Uh, the kid's quick. The kid's quick, and he almost went to Formula One anyway. So um, he did. Uh, I thought it would be more interesting because there's a lot of talk on why this track is trash that's inaccurate or, you know, half-truths. And I thought it'd be interesting to break down why the Texas Motor Speedway sucks now. Because, Tim, I don't know. I Do you remember good races at Texas? Because, I, like, the last good race at Texas is probably 2019. But in, if you go back and you look at the 2016 race in Texas – one of the greatest finishes I've ever seen in my life. All right. They're going four wide into the corners. They're three wide coming out of the corners, a win by like eight hundredths of a second. I like, it was just pure chaos. I, I remember that being one when as the whole, remember everyone, the full premise of our show is that I've always been into formula one. Luke has already has always been into IndyCar and, and we're trying to trade off and, Mm-hmm. Um, so I only seen a couple times at Texas motor speedway and I know that last year was kind of meh. Yeah. 2020 then, was meh. And then this year was meh, but I'm and, pretty, I'm sure you've seen the highlights of Texas in the past though. Yeah. 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 I have seen them. So I guess, you know, tell, tell me more, regale me with the tale. Teach me like you're teaching our listeners. Okay. So People want to blame this on a compound called PJ1, or more accurately, PJ1 track bite, which is an adhesive compound. And I'll get into that later, but it's not the compound's fault. All right. In 2017, at the behest of NASCAR, uh, the Texas Motor Speedway repaved their circuit. Now, the important thing to remember is that when you repave a circuit, If it's a banked oval where all of the banking is very precisely done, right? If you lay down new, it's going to subtly change the banking. And in fact, that's what happened. Not only did they rebank it or not only did they repave it, but they kind of reprofiled the turns. All right. Uh, I believe it lost a bit of uh, like it lost a bit of banking. In 2017, NASCAR came through and they were like, oh, cool new track great 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 now it's important to note that nascar sunk millions and millions and millions of dollars into the texas motor speedway and it's always been kind of a problem child for nascar since it was born because it was designed and built the wrong way so it like kind of wrecked (laughs) like it wasn't good for nascar for a while 
So they did this and then NASCAR saw that they kind of had a problem that was really more with their cars at this point in about 2019, 2020, about 2019 where they couldn't run side by side at Texas or it was at least harder to do that. Um, it's important to remember, again, if you've seen the recent NASCAR race, you know this, eh, they don't run side by side anymore and it's, it's hurting the sport. NASCAR had the bright idea of in drag racing, there's a compound called PJ one track bite. And in drag racing, you spray that onto uh, the, the drag strip, because if you don't have immediate grip when, in drag racing, uh, you can end up killing people. Right. So like it, drag strips are concrete most of the time. And uh, the reason they're pitch black is because they just put glue down and then that's, you know, an inch of rubber and then more glue to pull more rubber on and then glue to drive on. And then rubber, like, it's just, it's all rubber, right? PJ one track by is like drag racing. Couldn't happen without it. It, it is just a, a, it's crucial, right? So NASCAR had the bright idea. Why don't we put PJ one track bite on the outside line at a select few, you know, tracks where, uh, racing the outside line isn't a viable option. You follow, Tim? I, I follow so far. Um, reasoning is sound, mm -hmm. but tell me more. So I see a lot of people say, well, track bite won't work with Firestone tires that IndyCar uses. That's, as far as I can tell, that's com completely false. It, it is literally just glue. If it's going to grip a Goodyear tire, it's going to grip a Firestone tire. It works to mixed results in NASCAR. Uh, it works at Bristol, doesn't quite work at Texas. The problem is, is that this glue, this compound tracked by PJ1, Tim, it stains the track. So Texas that is, that is, true. is like a light gray kind of asphalt. And I'm sure you saw, Tim, what, what color is the area where they put the track bike down? It, it wasn't gray. It's like pitch black. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it, it's black. Yeah. It's it, very, very dark. Pitch, pitch black. And this is where it comes out. Okay, first off, IndyCar and Firestone haven't tested with track bite. Um, and I don't think they will. Uh, IndyCar in, in some places doesn't really have a problem running too wide. Indianapolis. Iowa, Richmond, you know, presumably Richmond, um, if it comes back, uh, they went, you know, I don't think IndyCar has an issue with that and they don't even want to try it. They're like, why, you know, whatever. The problem is though, is that that means that NASCAR puts it down in November before their race, Texas has to clean it up and Texas tries to clean it up. But Tim, you can take all of the track bite off, which they do a good job of, actually. I don't think there's really any track bite left on the track at that point. Um, but Tim, you can't unstain asphalt. Yeah, no, you can't. No. And, and Tim, what do we know about hot Texas sun and the way it interacts with, with pavement? Well, it cooks. It cooks. Now, what do we know about darker things versus lighter things and the rate at which they cook? You know, admittedly, there have been a lot of things in my life that made me think I wish I'd done better in school. <laughs> this, however, is something I remember because darker colors absorb more light. Right, right. 
and so, makes them hotter. Right. So you have two areas of the track in this turn that I'll remind you, you're doing 208 miles per hour in this turn. Okay. This is not a turn to be messing around with. You have two different areas in this turn, the low, low line. That's about, I, I would reckon probably 10 feet wide. Okay. And maybe eight, maybe 10 is one temperature and right above it, is a completely different temperature. And Tim, what do we know about tires when there's a massive change in temperature? Well, well, they, they tend to go boom. Yeah, they don't like it too much. No, they're not fans. No. So, so what you have in practice and what you have in qualifying is I'll run the inside line because that is the same temperature and it's the, it's the same temperature and it's actually the better qualifying line. Um, but like we're talking like thousands of a second, theoretically, right? I'll run that. It's the same temperature, same track surface. It's the same everything. We'll run the inside line. That puts marbles onto the dark black part. And then not only do you not want to run the dark black part uh, because, you know, obviously it's a different temperature, but that's where all the marbles are. So nobody wants to risk going out there. So instead of a, a turn that is, I mean, no joke, it's, it's, you could you can't get through it four wide, but you could probably fit five cars side by side through this turn, right? Mm -hmm. um, instead of that, you get eight feet of usable turn in this track. And all of a sudden, Tim, it's really freaking hard to pass in. And that is the story of how you ruin a once great IndyCar track. You destroy it. You killed Texas Motor Speedway. Yeah. And, and again, I. At least for any good racing. Yeah, you know, yeah, oh, I qualify sure. IndyCar superior to NASCAR, but yeah, you know, well, it's I'm not sure like NASCAR's lighting the lighting the place on fire either, right? But it, and again, it's not the track bite's fault, right? Track bite, like, like I said, I work in drag racing, right? Like, it it can't happen without track bite. It is so important. It's a great substance. Um, just you know, don't don't put your hand in it. You might not ever be the same. Um. But that's typically not a good thing to say about a product. Here's my product that I think you should buy. Don't touch it. It'll alter you forever. <laughs> Did you ever like in, in grade school, like put like glue on your hand or like see the girls who put like, glue on their hand and then like just peel it off? Uh, no, no. Oh, that was a mm -hmm. thing. It's like you take like Elmer's glue and you get a little bit like, you know, on your hand or whatever. And then like, yeah, you just peel that thin layer of glue off like your palm. Yeah. And of course, like, you know, it looked cool, but it's also like, I don't know, like that little feeling of peeling something was just really satisfying. Hmm. Um, track bite, you're going to take your skin off. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's just designed to be sticky. Yeah. So, um, but, but, yes, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's unfortunate. That's how you destroy Texas. So again, it's not track bite's fault. Um, I would, I would, I don't want to sound like a bitter IndyCar fan, but I, I honestly would place it at, the feet of NASCAR and the Texas Motor Speedway. Texas Motor Speedway knows they have a problem, but um, there's really there's there's a couple solutions you can do, and that's about it, right? One is an entire repave of the track, which happened in 2017. It's, Tim, repaving a track, man, like you know, it's it is extremely expensive, which like is why yeah, like borderline bankrupt tracks expensive. That's why Luke and I were always so worried about Coda because we know that tax money is going away and now they're not they might not be guaranteed a raise moving forward and they got to repave and a regrade mm -hmm. um because of their stuff and that was hilariously 
expensive because it has to be up to FIA grade. So it's mm-hmm. a far higher quality than you would just, you know, to repave a city street, which in right. and of itself is very expensive. I think it's about, if I don't uh, mistake it too much, it's about $315,000 uh, per mile to re repave a regular highway. Yeah. So take that writ large. Yeah. Like I, I want to say, um, I want to, I, I have to, I'm trying to pull it up here, but repaving track is just insane. So Watkins Glen, a repave uh, of the 3.3 mile track cost $12 million. There you go. Uh, three, that's three to $4 million per mile. I want to say when WWT raceway, uh, repaved to get IndyCar in. I want to say it was more per mile uh, than that. Like it was no joke. Uh, I think I want to say Coda probably spent hundreds of millions on it. Like it's ridiculous. So Texas can't exactly just do that, right? You're racing scraps. You're not drawing a ton of fans. It's post, you know, we're living in a post COVID world. They're hurting already. Like every other track is, um, the other thing is you could theoretically cover the whole surface and track bite, um, which means that like you just kind of have one whole surface that's the exact same and heats at the same race, which maybe in theory, but you have to remember what's NASCAR going to do in November, Tim. Uh, they're going to do some things. They're going to come. They're going to come in and they're going to put a whole nother layer exactly where the old one is. And make yeah. It- <laughs> yeah. And the thing that actually I, I'm thinking about, though, is, you know, in the months where IndyCar comes, um, it is hot in Texas mm-hmm. and uh, you're going to have like 15 tire changes Yeah, because it's just going to roast your tires. You're going to cook them. Yeah. Um, so I don't know where the next step is for Texas, but they I, I mean, really a full repave. Um, the reprofiling of the turns didn't help, but 27 or 2017, 18 and 19 races were OK not 2016 quality. That was one of the best finishes I've ever seen, but I just, there's, they kind of have their hands tied and the kicker is Tim. And we talked about this earlier in the preseason, uh, Tim, there's three ovals on the schedule this year. It's something that IndyCar has a problem with, and they know they have a problem with, they're trying to remedy it. But right now it's Texas worldwide technology raceway and the Indy 500. You can't just toss, you can't afford to toss an oval off the schedule. No, you need more of it, if anything else. So yeah, yeah the it, other way is the wrong direction. If you lose ovals, IndyCar just becomes like Formula Two and right. North American Formula Two. And and nobody, Tim, you're as big of a Formula it, One fan as I know. You don't want that. No, because I mean I enjoy IndyCar for the fact that it's just different. Mm-hmm. And you know, the racing is arguably a lot better because it's closer, there's more parity. And part of the character, the very DNA of IndyCar is the ovals. So, I mean, it would be like taking away Monaco and just throwing it away, throwing away your historic tracks. You know, we, we really don't want to mess with it anymore. So we're going to get rid of spa. Yeah. You know, for that's how, that's how, you know, offensive to the senses it would be for an IndyCar uh, season to go without ovals. Right. So I, I just, I don't know. Tim, I will tell you this. Explaining the track problem to you was more entertaining than watching the race at Texas. Yes, and watching the Formula One race. So congratulations, Luke. You have saved 
the weekend. I have. I have. Um, Tim, I am going – I'm looking at the clock right now. I think we're probably sitting at I think about half an hour of recording right now. I, you know, I really wish – I really do wish um, that we – that like we had some sort of uh some sort of other thing to bring you guys but there this was one of the weakest i mean this is not the weekend to get like a new fan addicted to racing it just was no. not no but i am excited because we have seen some preliminary stuff going through uh monaco so it's going to be cool to see monaco back yes it's a boring race but that's because the race is not on sunday it's on saturday yeah uh with qualifying so that'll be kind of cool to watch um you know, Luke and I've got a few ideas about uh, content uh, that we can bring you guys uh, coming up soon. If you have any ideas for us or you have something you'd like us to discuss, uh, please reach out to us on Twitter at the Formation Lab 101 or at Tim SDLF1. You can and also, we'd be, yeah, 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 we'd be happy to respond. You can also email us, by the way, uh, at the Formation Lab at 101ESPN.com. Uh, just a reminder, it is supposed to like, hail and tornado tonight so uh we are recording from our bunker we're we're, we're not yes. in one studios tonight no uh, we are not uh good news 101 espn bought us a bunker yeah yeah well you know uh there i have eight months of food uh 12 months of taka Nui highlights to watch it's mostly just a replay of like two highlights but i can make it last but uh we're gonna be bunkered down tim don't you just love the midwest <laughs> I do love the Midwest, but I love the fact that uh, we have like 20 screens here and we can watch every race ever. Every you know? race at once. Thank you, 101 ESPN. Thank you indeed. So uh, I think that's going to actually wrap it up again. Sorry about the short show, but uh, I'll be honest, guys. I re I had to watch this race twice because I fell asleep at like 8 a.m. Central time watching yep. parts of it once. And I was like, I got to go back and watch it. And I didn't see anything. And, you know, if, if, if you, I assume our listeners watch alongside us, Tim, right? Like yeah. they, they have to, right? Um, if you watch this, I'm sure you came into this episode going, wow. What are they going to talk about? How in the world did they make 34 minutes out of this race? Yeah. Uh, well, we've done 10 times more than uh, either race did, so. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap it up. Uh, Barcelona uh, next week. Um, Tim, you called. I think. I think you just called a good race. I called Red Bull. We will see. We will see. I anticipate also not having much to talk about next week, uh, but we'll see. Uh, hey, if we don't have a lot to talk about, I will give a book review. I would, I would be good. You know, okay. All right. You know, we're going to make up a little bit of time. I would love a book review. We also talked about a movie review during like the summer off, like the summer break, yeah. uh, uh, like a little movie review. Um, I think we want to watch driven and rush are the two movies, uh, because I haven't seen rush, uh, which you is you got to see rush. Right. And I, I like watching bad movies too. And, uh, our good friend, Dylan, recommended driven as the worst racing movie he has ever seen in his life it's pretty bad so we're gonna have to watch both and we'll give a movie review uh yeah. this summer i think that's something we'll, we'll have to look forward to hey i'm down all right well i think that's gonna wrap it up on that bombshell my name is luke i've been joined by my partner in crime tim and we will catch you guys on the flippity floppity 